true believers, and strap in as we journey with Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior! Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself. Up in the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! joining us once again for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. My name is Matt Spectro. I am your host, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, and this is the podcast exclusively about animation springing from the world of comic books. As always, we have uh, three rules here. One I just explained to you. Two, just like the old team-up books, Marvel team-up DC Comics presents Marvel 2-in-1. It's always me and a special guest. And three, and most important, we gotta have fun. I'm uh, extremely tickled pink this week. So many different things happening to make this episode particularly exciting. Number one, it's the uh, back-to-school episode. All those little kitties out there going back to school, getting everything going. It's also episode 20. So that is pretty exciting. Welcome to episode 20. We've been here for 20 whole episodes. Thanks for being there. Thanks for listening every week. And one more reason to be excited. This week's special guest. He was here on an earlier episode teaming up with Ray, talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Tonight he's flying solo, ladies and gentlemen. He's the former co-host of For the Pops podcast. Welcome to the multiverse one, that guy, Scotty Slade. I am so honored to be on your 20th episode, Tarzan, and so far I'm winning in the pool. Most people put you at 15. I've got you at 25. we got to make it at least five more for me to win the big pot. So, <laughs> Well, I want to help you win money, and I want to thank you for joining us uh, for episode 20, the back-to-school episode. And <laughs> Who better than to have a dad on, so that's, that's even better. <laughs> Spoiler alert, this episode will have absolutely nothing to do with school whatsoever. <laughs> I'll tie it in somehow. <laughs> All right. Before we go any further, I always want to tell people uh, there will be spoilers. And number two, I'm just a guy who likes to talk about comic books. I don't claim to be an expert. I get it wrong sometimes. I try my best to get it right, but I don't always. But I think, Scotty, you're going to more than make up for it being an expert that you are. Oh, boy, what kind of pressure you put me under here. All right, so there's two reasons this episode is so special, other than the ones I've mentioned. We're going to do one of the cartoons that uh, kind of inspired the podcast. We're going to do The Brave and the Bold. Yep, the official Batman team-up cartoon, Brave and the Bold. I have a confession, Tarzan. All right. And I don't want you to get mad at me. <laughs> All right. This will be the first time I have ever watched an episode of Batman, the Brave and the Bold. All right. All right. That's fine. I'm not going to be mad at you. It's you uh, I'm glad you're discovering it now because uh, it is well worth the wait. Anybody knows me, I love uh, team-up books. 
So Brave and the Bold, we're going to get into it. It was a team-up book, and that is the theme of the cartoon. It's always Batman teaming up with a guest. Now, before we get into that more, you were part of a duo last time you were on. So how does it feel to be flying solo this time? <sighs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. The fact that you've got Batman on the agenda, I'm, I'm a little nervous that you left out the number one Batman knowledge fan that I know, not Jamie J. Mikowski, who is the number one Bruce Wayne fan that I know. Not having Ray on when talking Batman is going to be a little interesting. Well, that uh, who's the biggest Batman fan in my circle is still uh, up for some debate. Oh, man, you got to put that show together. you got to put that together. <laughs> Just for them to go head-to-head is gold. To see who is the biggest Batman fan. Well, what is also so exciting about this is, I know you pretty well, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is your two favorite characters teaming up. This episode will feature Batman and the Green Lantern. Yes, and the reason why I got so excited when you recommended that we sit and watch this is Green Lantern historically from like a media perspective, uh, movies, cartoons has been um, rough. It has been rough. I remember getting uh, special sneak preview tickets to the Green Lantern movie. And I took Ray to that and I had to apologize to him the whole ride home. So <laughs> it was, <laughs> you know, if you, <laughs> when you go Brian Reynolds, Green Lantern, this is going to be gold. So yeah. So finding out that there was a cartoon that, uh, teamed up uh, Batman with the Green Lanterns in general. I was I was actually pumped to sit down and watch this. Now, which of the many, many Green Lanterns is actually your favorite? Uh, um, I'm going to say Hal Jordan. He was the one that got me into it. When I started to go into Green Lantern comics, Kyle Rayner was kind of running the show, and I was like, eh, okay. And then they had done this rebirth arc and Hal Jordan came back. And that's what caused me to go back and start to read all of the Hal Jordan stuff, you know, which led later on after his rebirth led into the Sinistro Corpse War, which then led into Blackest Night. And oh, my goodness, I got obsessed with all things Green Lantern, the the spectrum, all the rings, things of that nature, the, the whole universe outside of our Earth, outside of Sector 2814. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But yeah, uh, definitely Hal Jordan first. Guy Gardner close second. It's funny you say how we're doing Batman episode without my show's Batman expert, but we're also technically doing a Green Lantern show without my Green Lantern expert, Dave Walker being my Green Lantern expert who uh, did episode four on uh, Green Lantern First Flight. So we might be upsetting two former guests when they listen to this episode. Oh man, sounds like Dave Walker is going to become my new best friend. We're going to get into a little background now. The Brave and the Bold was a comic book. It ran from 1955 all the way to 1983, published obviously by DC Comics, started as an anthology book. After that, it became a, uh, a book to introduce new characters and concepts, some obviously extremely notable. The Justice League of America first appeared in Brave and the Bold. The Suicide Squad, not the version from the recent films, but the original Suicide Squad. No John Cena? <laughs> no John Cena. Not sucking phallic uh, items off of a beach. That's the. <laughs> no, that did. Grant, I didn't read them all, but I don't think that ever happened. <laughs> and uh, the Teen Titans made their very first uh, appearance in Brave and the Bold. Somewhere around in the 50s, I think it was issue uh, 59, if I'm not mistaken, it became a team up book where it would always have two or more characters teaming up. And then finally. 
Issue 74, I believe it was, it became permanently Batman teaming up with a special guest star all the way up to 1983 to issue 200. And the first one being Batman and the Metal Men. You a fan of the Metal Men? Uh, You're going to have to jog my memory, unfortunately. (laughs) There were a bunch of robots that were all named after precious metals. There was gold, lead, tin, uh, steel. Uh, I can't remember all their names. I think uh, titanium, maybe. Maybe it was platinum. Now, are you saying that this uh, run of comics, the team-ups, was one of your favorites, or the show was? Well, I loved the show, but I also I loved team-up books. I loved Marvel Team-Up. I loved Brave and the Bold. I loved DC Comics Presents. I loved Marvel 2-in-1. I, I loved the concept of every issue was our main character with a special guest star because you got to see a lot of characters that you wouldn't necessarily see all the time. So I loved uh, team-up books. Part of the inspiration for the show of me teaming up with a guest every week. Oh, look at that. A little tidbit of knowledge. I like that. So, all right. So you don't know the, the metal men. A ridiculous concept, but an enjoyable one. Before we go on, I wanted to ask you something. There's some concepts in comics that are ridiculous that people love. <laughs> Do you think it's people accept ridiculous concepts because of the era they started reading comics and now concepts they might not have... They might have loved if they came out in their era, but now they they don't like. What do you mean by that? Just like the like uh, if like uh, Kite Man or Polka Dot oh, Man came out. And- <laughs> yes. No. You know what? So like, I have a coffee table book, right? I'll have to find it and give it to you. And it's got like top fifty most ridiculous supervillains of all time. I think that tongue in cheek stuff is what makes comics comics. That's just my personal opinion. I love when they do stuff that flamboyant in comics, just in in general. I don't. I don't know if the newer era of readers. Do you have anybody young that's been on the show? I feel young. Here I am. Jesus. Yeah, I've had a couple of young people. Not a lot. My niece was on and my my stepson was on an episode. I'm always curious like what the younger generation thinks. Like if it's lame or stuff like that. Because back in our day, those were the neat things. Well, like a prime example is uh, Squirrel Girl, which I haven't read too many comics of. But a lot of people love her or hate her. And I'm just wondering if... Uh, People read her when they were a kid and not an adult or a teenager. Would they just accept that concept and not hate it? You know what? I really, not to politically answer this question, but I think if you've gotten into comics as a kid, then you've been able to expand your imagination through your whole life. If you're a grumpy adult that's trying to read comics for the first time, you're going to have a hard time grasping that. I don't want to say that the characters are only skin deep. But there's been some amazing comics I've read that have had ridiculous characters, not to get super serious on the podcast, but there's a comic uh, called uh, Mouse, M-A-U-S. It, it talks about the, you know, the whole um, Nazi Germany, you know. Yeah, the Holocaust. Yeah. And the Nazis are cats and the Jews are mice. And it's ridiculous that they're telling this story with these characters. But it's it's how they tell that story, I think, that pulls it in. So, yes, as far as for a squirrel girl or... Uh, blue beetle or uh, any one of these ridiculous characters or i mean you'll see it the deeper you get into the green lantern universe there's some ridiculous characters tarzan ridiculous and so i think that's just part of the charm of being a kid and getting involved in this stuff all right so before we get into the particular episode we're just going to talk the brave and the bold cartoon a little bit 2008 to 2011 it ran on the cartoon network and it was how old were you when it debuted (laughs) 
<laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna do this again is that uh, well you know that... i was banned but i'm back i just all right they decided to go for a, a little bit of a lighter tone probably i mean they didn't say it but i'm sure because of batman the animated series being so successful but more of a serious tone they decided to go with a little bit lighter yet they say that batman has so many facets they sort of incorporated all of them the lightheartedness some of the ridiculousness of the 60s, plus some of the darker stuff if you watch the entire show. You're telling me that this is built towards um, a younger generation than... Yeah, I would say um, they... they, they, All cartoons, unless they're directed DVD or on late... Adult Swim really should be directed more at a younger audience. That really should be the point of them. I mean, adults can enjoy them, but that's really what they should be uh, striving for most of the time. Uh, The producers and developed it were a Michael... Jelenic and James Turner. They uh, also went out of their way to uh, kind of spotlight a lot of those. I, w- I don't want to say necessarily lesser known, but not as much of the big characters of the DC universe. Like there wasn't a lot of Batman teaming up with Superman or Wonder Woman. <laughs> Which, you know, historically always, always has confused me just in general. Like that, that's always been not to derail. That's been my biggest gripe with comics in general these crises that uh, these guys deal with and the other superheroes aren't anywhere to be found. I've always said Batman, with the exception of Brave and the Bold, for some reason the team-up books always, even though they weren't, they always seemed like they were out of continuity to me. But uh, Batman I always thought worked better in his own little corner of the DC Universe than when they try and incorporate him into the entire DC Universe. There's been plenty of good stories when he has been, but I've always felt he works better in Gotham in his own little corner of the DCU. Yeah, you know what? I'll agree with that. Although one of my favorite story arcs is the uh, Court of Owls. There's a part in that that arc where he goes missing for literally days on end, and Nightwing is just like everybody's concerned. You would <laughs> you would think that would sound the alarm to bring in other people. <laughs> Batman's but, been gone, but it doesn't. Ah, uh, I'd have to go back. It it doesn't to the degree where you're not seeing Superman using X-ray vision to try to find him. That's for sure. <laughs> this is also the many DC characters. This was the first time they ever showed up animated. A few were the Blue Beetle, Black Lightning, Katana, Commandy, Omac, and others. This was the first time any of them had ever shown up in animated form. Oh, no kidding. Blue Beetle and, uh, all right. Which is weird to me that Blue Beetle was never in Justice League Unlimited. I never really realized that until I started researching this episode. It would depend on the time frame. I don't know time frames on Blue Beetle, but. Blue Beetle died and then ended up having to come back. There was a resurgent, like the new 52, when they re-released all the comics at number one, they brought the Blue Beetle back to life. I don't remember when Blue Beetle died. Well, it had to have been before this because, um, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but it was the newer the newer Blue Beetle is the one that's most highlighted on this show. Oh, nice. Not, not Ted Cord. Brian Fury, by the way, loves when superheroes die and come back to life. Just wanted <laughs> yeah. to throw that out there. <laughs> loves it. <laughs> it's one of his faves. A lot of times, um, which we're going to see later on, but they had a uh, a cold opening to every episode, which an adventure with a hero that had little to do with the rest of the episode. And they said they did that a lot to uh, test out some new characters. And if they were successful, more often they would bring them back for an episode featuring them. Ah, it's a pretty neat concept. So it's it, that's actually pretty cool. You're digging it. You're digging it, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a. Back when Saturday morning cartoons and you'd get like those three minute snippets like in the Dick Tracy era and there'd just be these little action sequences. So the particular episode we're going to go to 
The Eyes of the Sparrow, Episode 10, Season 1, originally aired on February 6, 2009 by Warner Brothers Animation. It was directed by Ben Jones, who has directed uh, several uh, superhero cartoons. He directed the animated Legion of Superheroes, which I've never actually seen. He directed some episodes of Teen Titans. He's also the supervising director of, get this, Pig, Goat, Banana, Cricket. That sounds like a kid's board game. Do you have any idea what the hell that is? No, I, I'm trying not to Google it. I don't want to spoil myself. I just saw that name and I had to include it in, in this episode. Written by a J.M. I've always had a hard time pronouncing his name. I don't know if it's Dematis or Diametis. He's a famous comic writer. He had written uh, the Justice League when they relaunched it in the 80s. He wrote the Craven's Last Hunt storyline in Spider-Man. Get out of here. He wrote that one? Yes, yes, he did. Uh, he also uh, wrote for television. He had wrote some episodes of the Justice League cartoon, Ben 10, and uh, Be Cool Scooby-Doo, just to name a few. I believe he wrote Captain America for a short period as well. I feel like everybody's wrote for Captain America at some point. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he wrote the um, Justice League Unlimited episode for The Man Who Has Everything, which was an adaptation of a comic story, which is one of my favorite episodes. Oh, that's good. And anybody out there, if I'm saying his name wrong, I do apologize. I've struggled with that name since I was a child, so uh, <laughs> cut me some slack. His wife is weeping just listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> All right. And then, uh, as always, we give credit where credit is due. We're going to go down the, uh, the roster and give a little bit of the roster of who shows up. Obviously, Batman. Whoa, whoa, wait. You're going to spoil on who, who I'm going to see? Yeah, I always go over the characters that show up. You know, I always want to give credit to... All right, then I'm excited. Okay, all right, all right. Who? All right, so Batman, obviously, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. He's voiced by Diedrich Bader, which I'm sure everyone knows his most famous role being Oswald on the Drew Carey show. All right. Um, Dr. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like everybody should know the Drew Carey show. I know Mimi. I know a whole lot of makeup on the face. And you know that uh, Cleveland rocks. I do know. I do know Cleveland rocks. Doctor Fate shows up. What? Created by Gardner Fox and Howard Sherman, and uh, he is voiced by a Greg Ellis. Doctor Fate so unutilized. I feel. Whatever I used to read and watch, he was not used nearly enough. I'm surprised that the DC has never um, spotlighted him in uh, a movie-esque type thing. I think that's. Uh, he, I believe he's going to be appearing in the Black Adam film. Yeah, he's going to be played by James Bond himself, Pierce Bronson. Get out of it. So look at this. You know, the, the, the content and information oozing from this. DC should bring you on as a PR fella. Uh, Wotan was created by Gardner Fox and Howard Sherman as well. He is uh, voiced by one uh, James Arnold Taylor, who is the voice of Ratchet and Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> All right. The Cavalier appears in this episode. What? <laughs> he was created by Don Cameron and Bob Kane. I like how you said that there was going to be these obscure characters that they would spotlight. I didn't realize that we were getting a G list uh, villains. <laughs> I'd probably say the Cavalier is a Z list. Uh, ah, come on, man. Give him some credit. <laughs> he has to take two steps up to be as on the level of Kite Man, if you want my honest opinion. But. <laughs> And uh, I believe Greg Ellis voiced him as well. Guy Gardner shows up. You must be a big Guy Gardner fan. 
I, again, I love, I love the later stuff that guy does. I'll be interested to see how they show him off in this. And he was uh, created by John Broom and Bill Kane. He's actually uh, voiced also by James Arnold Taylor. Bloom, I wonder if he's got any relation to the head trainer at uh, NXT. <laughs> Possibly. Nort, created by Keith Giffen. Oh, we're going to get that Nort episode? <laughs> You're actually excited for that. You know, I love the, the lovable losers when it comes to uh, cartoons and comics. So. Now, he's created by, like I said, Keith Giffen and the, the writer of this episode, J.M. Uh, Diamis, Damatis, I don't know how you say his name, but I like how he wrote the episode, put his own creation in it. Now, uh, the voice of Nort is Alexander Polinsky, who you're going to know this guy. He played Adam Powell on Charles in Charge. Oh, the, the show that was totally in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I think I missed that era by about five years. I assumed you you saw the Family Guy episode where Peter was a security guard singing along with a theme song. Yes, yeah. <laughs> See, now you're talking more of my lingo. <laughs> now, uh, Sinestro, uh, your favorite character, one favorite villain. Oh, man, Sinestro easily top three villains for me. Like, there's Joker, there's Sinestro, like one A, one B, and then you got Magneto, but that's a different story. But Sinestro, some of the literally some of the best comic stuff I've ever read was that Sinestro Corpse War. Man, uh, this episode's jam-packed with people. Uh, and obviously, he was created by John Broom and Gil Kane. He's voiced by Xander Berkeley, who is a character actor, been in a lot of things. He played Gregory on The Walking Dead. We also have Despero, created by Gardner Fox and Mike Sikowski. And he's voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson. Done quite a lot of voiceover work. Uh, he played Trigon on the Teen Titans cartoon. He also is the Mahler twins more recently on the Invincible cartoon. Still have yet to watch that. Very excited to sit down and kind of chew on that. I definitely recommend Invincible. Really good. I haven't read the comic, so I can't say how accurate it is to the comic, but I really enjoyed the cartoon. And we also have Hal Jordan himself. Yeah! All right. He's created by John Broom and Gil Kane. Lauren Lester did the voice. He was the voice of Barbecue on G.I. Joe. And he also voiced Dick Grayson throughout the Batman the Animated Series. And finally, Mogo the Living Planet, created by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. <laughs> he has no lines, but he's on the episode. Of course he has no lines. He doesn't talk. But I, I love the fact that Alan Moore gets a little shout out here. I know when we were talking about going into this, that we were talking about potentially Swamp Thing as well. And Mogo, Mogo is definitely one of those characters in the Green Lantern Corps that is uniquely amazing. Uh, hopefully we get to see some stuff that he does. Not to be confused with Ego, the living planet. Completely different thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and Alan Moore, not many of his actual creations show up on any cartoon that I'm aware of. Characters he wrote show up in cartoons, but not too many of his creations actually got animated. Other than uh, John Constantine's the only one I can think of, him and Mogo. So, without further ado... We will take a break, and we're going to watch Brave and the Bold, The Eyes of Despero, and we're going to talk about it when we come back. Stay with us. Batman, the Brave and the Bold. Gorilla Grodd attacks Batman. Batman must get the transforming Batmobile and race into action. Watch out for the cliff. 
Quick, transform into Batjet with massive wingspan. Launch your missiles and take Gorilla Grodd down. Transform back to Batmobile and send this giant gorilla back behind bars. Batman the Brave and the Bull transforming Batmobile and action figures each sold separately. On the next all-new Batman the Brave and the Bold, heroes sing and villains dance, a story to behold. Cause some latest bad guy has a mighty power of song, but you won't find the caped crusader humming along. A music maestro sings with such grace and such style, but even the noise can resist a musical once in a while. Batman the Brave and the Bold, tonight at 7.30. Penguin. You can have three times the fun with three Batman the Brave and the Bold figures in your McDonald's Happy Meal. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... And we're back. And I hope, just like me and Scotty, I hope during the break you watched Brave and the Bold, The Eyes of Despero. So that was your first ever viewing of any Brave and the Bold episode, correct? That was. And I'm not going to lie, as a grown man, it's going to be hard for me to not go back and start to watch them. That was really enjoyable. I enjoyed it when, uh, when I first got HBO Max, me and my stepson watched the entire first season of Brave and the Bold. We're definitely going to have to finish it off. Yeah. Going into it, when you were talking about how it was, um, like when you're describing it a little lighter and a little geared more towards kids, I was like, oh boy. Like I'm thinking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like over Teen the- Titans Go. Yeah. Yes. Actually, it's a much better uh, comparison. Like, uh, you know, slapstick. There was definitely some ridiculous one-liners, definitely ones that made me go like you know, cringe, but overall and that cold intro. I loved it. Like the fact that now I know they do that in every episode. This is something I would definitely recommend any comic fan that's listening that has not checked this out. This is something that I have not seen before out of um, comic cartoons. I also like how they don't change Batman very much, even though it's more lighthearted. The more lighthearted humor happens kind of around him. And they every now and again have him do something kind of amusing, but they don't go over the top with it. Yeah, I'll wait till you get into the episode. but. There was a few times I was like, oh, oh, oh my, come on. But we'll, uh, we'll save this for the spectrometer when we get to the end of the episode. So we begin with a castle that's floating either in, looks like either outer space or other dimension. I th- we believe Wotan is the pronunciation, so I'm going to go with that. It says it's the, the Library of Infinity containing all of human experiences. History of the entire cosmos, in fact. He's going to go in there, but these giant statues, they, uh, they ain't having it. They throw their swords in front of him. They're going to stop him. But then he blasts them. And when he gets to the door, a giant fate symbol shows up. And who should jump out of it? But Batman and Dr. Fate. Dr. Fate has the first best line of the episode. Your library card is expired. <laughs> Did not mind that, by the way. That was solid. I enjoyed it. He, Wotan, he blasts them both. They go flying right through the door. He says that he, you're not even sure Dr. Fate might be able to stop him. And 
Batman says that uh, you can do it. It's not the helmet. It's the man underneath. The only problem I have here at all is there's no context. So you really don't understand at all why Batman <laughs> is getting dragged onto this interdimensional mystic adv- <laughs> adventure with Dr. Fate. Yeah, but you know what, though? I th- Like, again, goes back to the cold opener. That was part of Charm. This felt like I was reading those... Uh, what was it, the Sunday cartoon section or Saturday uh, cartoon section of the newspaper? It just felt like I got thrown into the middle of something and I just wanted to see how it turned out. Like, I did, actually didn't mind it nearly as much. But it does go in theme with the Brave and the Bold comic where they would always make, no matter how ridiculous the guests are, they'd find a way to make Batman work with them. So, um, Wotan creates these fire demons that Batman says he's going to take care of and you take him, Dr. Fate. First, he throws the batarangs at him. Knocks their heads off, but they just regrow. Then he throws the bat bombs. They all blow up. All still fine, by the way. Oh, yeah. Batman chagrin. They actually duplicate when he blows them up. Finally, in a brilliant, ridiculous moment, Batman pulls a a sword out of the Batman utility belt. That's, that's, (laughs) look, oh, man. Batman gets a bad rap at times because... There's always this comment of like, who would win in a fight? And it'd be like, oh, Batman would win in a fight because he would X, Y, and Z. And it's like, this is ridiculous. This is one of those times. Never in a million years would I expect a fluorescent blue sword to be pulled from his utility belt. (laughs) I just don't know how it would fit, but I guess you can't really question things like that. You know, I blame the writers for stuff like that. Didn't need to happen. I'd rather he pull up like a candlestick holder or something, but. We've got lightsabers in this episode, ladies and gentlemen. There's lightsabers. So Dr. Fate, they're having a mystic battle. Batman's running, like, defying gravity. He's running up sideways and up downstairs. Finally, he just starts destroying the demons with the sword, like, just <laughs> wrecking them all. Oh, wait, you, you missed you missed how he was... Oh, wait, I'll... Oh, yeah. No, you're right. His, His sword wasn't doing anything. He got one of their swords, right? Yep, and then all of a sudden, he figured it out. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was all it took. Then he jobbed them all out. Yeah, one tries to run away, in fact, and Batman throws the sword at him and <laughs> doesn't even let it happen. Ruthless. Wotan, Dr. Fate, they're duking it out. They teleport away, and then uh, he blows Dr. Fate's helmet clean off. And uh, he says, uh, without that helmet, you're going to be defenseless. And he laughs. Ha, 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 ha. I love a good heel laugh. I don't know about you, but... Unless it's the millionaire man, Ted DiBiase. I don't know if uh, there's a better laugh in the business. <laughs> and right when he finishes laughing, Dr. Fate literally punches him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and he wins. All right. Like this, I like popped out of my seat for a second because I totally <laughs> didn't see that coming of Dr. Fate just smacking him right <laughs> in the face. Now, I don't know enough about uh, Dr. Fate, and I don't mean to skip ahead, but he does comment about his, his boxing skills, I think it was. Yeah, he said that it, he got boxing lessons from Batman. Batman reminds him it's not the helmet, it's the man. And he says that normally he prefers helmets to haymakers. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> These are the jokes, folks. All that was the pre credit scene, because now we go into the credits. And uh, it's a, just this awesome song that's like, to me, it reminded me of a cross of the original Batman TV show theme song with like the Incredibles theme song. Yeah. And what was neat was uh, the Easter eggs, if you want to call them, all the writings of the names on the walls. 
and I'm just sitting there trying to see as many names as possible, just trying to pick up what's uh, being dropped in front of me. It was good. Yeah, because I believe like Dead Man and Red Tornado Bush, uh, their names, and I think Metamorpho, just a few of the ones that got mentioned. It's pretty exciting, a really great intro. So then when we come back, we're in outer space, and you see the GL Corps, led by Hal Jordan, of course. You know, when you mentioned earlier of just who I'd see, here I am thinking, like, oh, it's going to be all these corner things, and, and then all of a sudden, seeing the corpse. And uh, Tomari is there, a bunch of famous Green Lanterns, the giant basketball with uh, arms and legs, which I can't. Dave, Dave was here. He could name them all. I wish he was here. Yeah, Ki- uh, Kilowog was there. Bunch of yep, Kilowog. <laughs> <laughs> the teenage orange girl, Aria or Arena, whatever the hell her name is. Dave's going to hate me for, for <laughs> but I'm drawing a blank on all their names. But there's a, a whole bunch of the classic uh, GL members. Despero, he he blasts a huge energy blast, takes a bunch of them out. Hal amazingly hits him with a giant boxing glove. <laughs> Surprised it wasn't an air flight carrier or anything like that. Uh, Despero says he's uh has ability to uh, bend will, and he uses it to hypnotize a bunch of the Green Lanterns. And he says that the Guardians will be next. Yeah, and at this point, I still wasn't worried because in my head, I'm like, come on, man. Hal Jordan took out so many, so many Green Lanterns. He's going to be able to fight all these guys. And uh, Despero looking way more jacked than the original version. Over the years, he's been skinny and he's been jacked. So uh, they went with a more jacked version in this one. If memory serves, there is an amazingly jacked version that I'm surprised that it wasn't used in this cartoon. He's an interesting character. There's been definitely several reincarnations of his look. Uh, Hal says the Guardians have been moved to a safe place, which is more than I can say for you. <laughs> now, the Guardians, like immortal beings, that, why are they in a safe place? Like They always seem to never be there when you need them. You know, up until, uh, up until Blackest Night, they were always just like the two old men. I mean, obviously there's more than two, but they were like the two old men at the Muppet Show. I'm just like, come on, guys. Like, you guys got to do something, right? Like, they got to do something. Uh, they've definitely been more active in the last 15 years in the comic world. But, yeah, when this came out, yeah, they were still just those, like, backseat drivers. I mean, they've intervened over the 50-plus years, but they seem to always pick and choose when they're going to stick their nose in business. It's the, um, I mean, not, now I'm nervous because I don't want Dave Walker yelling at me either. But, you know. It's definitely the, the weaker part of the story angles when it comes to the Green Lantern universe. They're more of an annoyance with the restrictions that they decide to impose, but I guess that's just to level things out. Despero tells Hal he should submit willingly to him, and he says, no thanks, he's not going to let him, him or the core be used. And then in a pretty awesome moment, Hal gives the, uh, the Green Lantern oath. Did I lose you? No, I'm waiting for you oh, to okay. say the Green Lantern oath. You can't set it up. You need that dramatic pause. I'm not. Well, I'm not going to do the. <laughs> it's not the first time in the episode the oath comes up. Okay, fine. You know what? Save it for that moment. And I know which one you're talking about. As long as you wrote down all the other versions. <laughs> uh, you know what, man? You uh, you know me better than uh, <laughs> than I realized. <laughs> so uh, Hal vanishes in a giant green explosion. The Spuro thinks that not only did he kill himself, but he destroyed the. Uh, Entire Green Lantern Corps. This is going to put a minor change in his plan, and he flies off. But unbeknownst to him, you see a single green ring floating in the air. 
great moment, by the way, because I legit popped when all of them just vanished. Yeah, they all, in a big green light, they just all, boom, disappeared. So we jump to a bank, and there's the Cavalier who's robbing it. (laughs) I loved this moment so much. Now, if you don't know anything, Cavalier basically looks like one of the Three Musketeers. I love it. And he talks like he's out of the book, Three Musketeers. In fact, Batman thinks to himself that Shakespeare must be rolling in his grave. Cavalier refers to himself as a witty rogue and a daring thief. Then Batman says, more like a delusional loon, and <laughs> smacks him right in the face with a trash can lid. Uh, and that's it. That's the whole fight. Batman just takes him out. You didn't Swung. expect much more than that, right? <laughs> no, I think the Cavalier is one of the lamest villains. <laughs> and I love terrible, cheesy villains from the Golden Age to the Silver Age, but the Cavalier is terrible. I thought it was great. Like, and that's why I'm very excited to watch the the rest of the series is the fact that they would implement something so ridiculous just for a fleeting moment gets me excited at all the terrible villains that might show up in these episodes. Don't get me wrong. It works in the cartoon. I'm referring more to just the character in general is, I don't know what they were thinking of when they created this character. Uh, to the person that created this character that's listening to the podcast right now, the, uh, the views and opinions of uh, Tarzan Taylor uh, do not represent. Well, actually, they do. Never mind. You're a piece of garbage for creating them. <laughs> well, he was co-created <laughs> by Bob Kane, who is dead, and I believe his co-creator's dead as well. <laughs> Rolling in their graves. So then the ring shows up. It puts Batman in a giant green bubble. He floats off into space, goes all the way to Oa. And this was a little weird. Batman recognized Oa right off the bat. Is there a reason he wouldn't? I don't know. Has he been there before or just Green Lantern told him all about it? You know what? I feel like at this point I've seen a lightsaber. Uh, I feel like him recognizing a uh, place like Oa is is okay. All right. So when he gets. Him knowing his way around, a little different story. <laughs> yeah, because that's what happens. He gets on Oa and he's walking around. He hears a dog howling. That's what it sounds like. And he goes into the brig and finds Guy Gardner, Norton, Sinestro in a cell. Guy's telling Norton to knock it off. and. North says he's just singing. Guy asks him if he'd like to have his tonsil pulled right out of his throat. Guy Gardner is pretty hot-headed through this entire uh, episode. Yeah, a little disappointed with how they um, portrayed him, but I'll get uh, I'll comment as we get to those parts. <laughs> so Batman, he pushes the buttons. He knows how to get him out of the cell. Did they have their, I don't remember, and I didn't notice it. Did they have their rings on at the time? Why couldn't they escape the cell? I did not notice. I'd have to go back. I didn't notice their rings, but I would imagine that a Green Lantern prison would imprison or they would just drain the rings. That's what I'll go with. That's that's the angle I'm going. They drain the rings, they throw them in there, and then if they leave, they get to recharge the rings. Guy sees the, uh, the Green Lantern ring floating around Batman. He tries to grab it from him. Says it's Green Lantern property. You're not a Green Lantern. Which is bullshit, by the way. That's, that's utter bullshit. What part's bullshit? Wait, because it ties into what happens literally in a few scenes. All right, all right. So um, Sinestro tells Guy Gardner to back off, introduces himself to uh, Batman, that he is the Green Lantern of Sector 1417. He's got the lowest crime rate in the galaxy. He, you know what? Historically, Sinestro held shit together. Okay. <laughs> Let's, could be the, one of the greatest Green Lanterns to ever grace the corpse. I've noticed uh, with the cartoons, they love 
any other medium in the comic, they love portraying Sinestro as a Green Lantern when he's first introduced. They, they seem to love doing that. They did it in the movie. They did it in the first flight. They did it in this cartoon. I think it's important. I mean, it's, it's the Tarzan Taylor hating origin story approach, but it's so pivotal to why he creates his corpse because of the uh, fact that he feels that the Green Lanterns won't go that extra step to ensure safety. So Guy, we find out he's in the brig because he uh, he flipped out because instead of scrambled eggs, they gave him poached. Yeah, and, and at this point, I'm like, come on. Like, the, the, Guy, Gar- Guy Gardner is a hothead, all right? A Baltimore cop. Walker will yell at me if I'm wrong. You know, like, he's definitely is supposed to be this, like, edgy, you know, brute force type run and gun type Green Lantern. But to be like, I'm going to flip out because I didn't get the correct food. Okay. I was like, they're really just making this guy look like a dumb jock. They seem to be going more for the 80s Justice League version of Guy Garner, who was kind of an obnoxious buffoon. (laughs) So that seems to be more the version. You're not a fan of that version? No. Nope. You know what? I'd like to, I should have been brought on for the, the episode Walker was on because I'd love to pick a brain of a, somebody that knows Green Lantern stuff more than I do because the evolution, like at one point, you know, um, Guy Gardner was part of the Red Corps, you know, like that's just with totally different perspective. I don't want to get derailed, but the evolution of that character became such more badass as time went on, you know, just goes to show you can do a lot of stuff in comics. Sounds like you just booked a future episode. <laughs> and I, I uh, voluntold Walker, he's coming on. So that's good. <laughs> so uh, he says he's uh, in the break because he, uh, he forced the surrender of the warlords. They said that he used excessive force, which he admits he did. But sometimes you got to bend the rules to protect the innocent. Batman of all people should know that. Which is true. I mean, that's, that's literally the, the undertone of Sinestro. I mean, I, obviously not in the cartoon it's going to get there, but that's, that's Sinestro. It's, that's his bread and butter. So uh, him and Batman kind of click at first. So uh, Batman seems to kind of uh, like him a little bit. Nort introduces himself to Batman, accidentally hits himself in the head when he's saluting. <laughs> and uh, oh my God. you find Nort is in the brig just because he, uh, he locked himself in there by accident. <sighs> the lovable idiot. The lovable idiot. I, I got to say, Jar Jar Binks is about the closest comparison I can make for the way the character of Nort is treated. Uh, yeah, for those that don't know, the that haven't seen the episode, I think that's a very fair correlation. They show Batman footage of Despero, what's going on. Guy tries to blow Batman off to get rid of him, but Batman says he's coming, but he's going to need more firepower. Guy says that he's not going to let him have a ring. Even Sinestro says he can't have it because he's not a member of the core. But they can use their rings to augment Batman. (sighs) Do you not care for that? Batman's worn the ring before. Hal Jordan has given it to Batman to put it on before. Well, maybe this is before that happened. Yeah, I mean, yes, you're right. It it could be. I have not done... The problem is is, uh, I did not do obviously any research in the 15 minutes after the episode ended to truly figure out whether or not that when the time it aired, but yes, Batman later on in life has worn the ring, the green lantern ring in particular, Hal Jordan's 
But um, yes, when they augmented him, when he went cool, I was like, okay, buddy. All right. <laughs> Pump your brakes. So they, they use their rings to create this battle armor for, for Batman. It kind of looks similar to Alan Scott's armor in Kingdom Come. Yes, that's a, that's a really good observation. Yeah, it's, that's awesome. Um, again, this feels like not a fan when they seem to make up powers the rings have, but I guess you got to let it go. But Well, I mean, it makes sense that they can augment around him. It's no different than um, uh, like when Jon Stewart would like architect a lot of structural stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, and you know what? They do something similar to this down um, later in the episode. When they're in space, Batman starts laying out a plan and Guy uh, asks him who put you in charge. And this was another one of my favorite lines. Batman gets in his face and says, I put myself in charge. You got a problem with that? Yeah, where did this where did this hard ass Batman come from? This is not like the Justice League hard ass. This is like bully hard ass. Uh Sinistro, he uh puts a hand between him trying to break him up, says that a guy's attitude displeases him. And a guy asks him if he also wants a piece of him. <laughs> Just I'm gonna fight everybody. Batman uh says protecting innocence come first. And all of a sudden, here comes Despero, who shows up, who's getting even bigger than he was before. He says that there's no hope against him. The universe needs control. Batman starts uh, laying out the battle plan, which guy says, eat my toenail clippings. I- I'm stealing that, by the way. <laughs> that that will be used on a wrestling show at some point. I, I assumed it had been used numerous times. I pictured Steve Austin saying, <laughs> Yeah, hey, eat my toenail clippings. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Nort says he'll take the left flank, but Nort doesn't know which way left is. Ah, Nort. Despero, he blasts Guy out of the sky. Nort's going to return fire, but then his power ring is uh, dry. It's run out of energy. Batman even asks how this guy became a Green Lantern. And then this is when you find out the political structure of the Green Lantern Corps. Yep, they pulled strings for it. <laughs> made me so mad, but whatever. It's, it's like totally making it look like it's this union gig where if you just if you got an uncle inside, that's it. Bring a pillow and a blanket, you get to sleep on the job. Yeah, it never really made even the comics any sense how this ever came to be. But now you got a little girl who has a laptop that can plug into the central power battery, so I guess you just got to believe anything at this point. Just got to roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Despero, he traps them all in energy rays. Sinistro says to Batman to focus on will. There's no limit to what I, I mean, we can do. So you've seen a little bit of the, a little, little bit of seeds in there. Uh, they, uh, they break free and they put a big bubble around Despero's head. So when he blasts his eye laser blast, it knocks himself out. And Nort jumps right into Batman's arms. <laughs> tells him, uh, very sternly tells uh, Nort, no licking. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 like I said, I, I love the, the lovable loser, so just Nort. It reminds me of uh, John Candy from Spaceballs. Bartholomew? Yes. Barf. Half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. So they, they think something's wrong with it, and they find out the spur was just an illusion. And they hear him telepathically saying, why fight there when I can use my mind? 
And you see the real fight. He's going to Mogo, the living planet. And if I didn't say it before, I actually love the concept of Mogo, the living planet. I always thought that was like, I think that is just such a cool concept. It is. And he, um, the first time I saw Mogo, uh, like really saw Mogo was in the Sinistro Corpse War. And it's like the fact that Mogo is viewed as a shifter in power. Like if you could get, if you can obtain Mogo, you are in some, you're in a good spot. And uh, them utilizing this in just a kid's cartoon, I loved it. And uh, I like how he has a giant, like, Green Lantern symbol, like, in, I don't know if it's in mountains or grass or trees, written right on the side of the planet. The lawnmower on that planet is great. <laughs> so he's, he reveals he's going to remake Mogo in his own image, and he's going to use him to absorb other planets. So they go to the next planet, which is apparently Tomari's planet, because everybody is the big parrot heads. They go, yeah, well, we need a generic alien planet. What are we going to do? Yeah, come here, Tomar. We're going to use your, your heritage. Then the next target is Earth. And uh, Despero even comments how they have a world of super beings that are all going to be bend to his will. So then they go back to the, the good guys, and uh, Batman says they, they'll win if Norton Guy follow his orders to the letter. Uh, Sinestra says they're doomed then. And a guy says he works alone, but Batman says, if you so much as sneeze, you'll need my permission. Here we go. Just douchebag Batman. I don't understand it. <laughs> Is he like this throughout the whole series? Uh, of the episodes I've seen, this one, he's a little bit more hot-headed than some of the others, but guys just, you know, really uh, getting to him. Yeah, really under his skin. What is this? This is this is like uh, Tarzan Taylor Scotty Slade uh, chaotic era. This is what's going on right now. Well, you get two alpha males together, and uh, that explains our friendship. (laughs) 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 Totally get it now. And guy starts to say something, but bam! Batman punches him right out. One punch. Guy just concedes. Made me miserable. That was almost directly out of the comics. Nort wasn't involved, but there was a big. uh, I think it was like issue six or seven where they built it up huge where on the cover, Guy Gardner's uh, being held back and it says, Batman versus Guy, it had to happen. Who wins? And then in the comic itself, Batman knocks him out with one punch. It was, it was actually pretty awesome at the time. So it was kind of neat to see it recreated. Once Guy wakes up, they say that uh, one of them are going to have to drain Mogo's ring is the only way to defeat him. Guy and Sinestra have to distract Despero and Mogo and Nort will be the one who's going to drain the ring. So the lovable loser is going to have to step up and save the day. Oh, man. You haven't seen this before. Nort says he doesn't know he could do it. And uh, Batman says no one else can. This feels very, uh, obviously we're doing reverse time, but this feels very like Groot-esque from Guardians 2. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Like, let's get the one that we trust the least with the most important mission. And uh, Batman says it's not in the ring, it's in the man. What? Nort says he'll give it his best shot even though he isn't really a man. <laughs> Guy, uh, he, he goes to the surface. Wait, of... you, missed the, you missed the best part. And, and you missed the best part of all of that. All right, go ahead. Refresh my mind. When Nort was like, if somebody like you has faith in me. And I, I felt like that was like a kid moment where it, uh, you know, when somebody has faith in you, then you got to do your best. But it was that was like the weird feel-good turn moment for me when I was like, look at Nort getting some confidence because he feels like Batman's there for him. Even Batman believes in him. Yeah. He can do it. You believe in one person that can change their whole outlook. 
So uh, they go to the surface of Mogo where a guy's got this giant like green bodysuit and he's fighting mountains and rocks that Mogo's throwing at him. Right, which is what I referenced earlier when we were talking about like, uh, you know, putting that suit on Batman. It just it felt very similar. You know, guy was just doing it for himself. And you go to uh, Nort. He finds the power battery, Mogo's battery. He's going to drain it. All he's got to do is say the oath. But <laughs> unbelievable. He can't remember the oath. Yeah, it's, how many times have you sent a guy out there, Tarzan, to cut a promo in front of a crowd? And then all of a sudden they buckle and they don't know what to say. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, my nickname in certain circles is Tarzan. So uh, that's, <laughs> even though I'm Matt Spectro, that's the reason he's been referring to me as Tarzan the entire episode. I'm sorry, Matthew. <laughs> it's all right, but <laughs> I just didn't want anybody who doesn't know you to be like, why the hell is this guy called Tarzan? <laughs> so Nort tries to remember, and I these are amazing. First, he says. So good. In sunniest day and cloudiest night, no bad guy will escape my bite. I loved it. That didn't work. <laughs> so then you go back to Batman is fighting to Spurro. Uh, they're kind of doing like fisticuff and shooting lasers and whatnot. You go back to the surface. Guy wakes up and he sees that there's all these landmines on Mogo. And they all have like the Green Lantern insignia on them. What the hell's he doing? You see that uh, Sinestro is doing it. And he says he's not going to take a chance on that idiot Nort. He says the only way to do it is to blow up Mogo. And this is where I felt Guy was Guy. Yeah, because he, he says you can't do this. Nort's a living thing. So is Mogo. You can't kill them all. There's got to be another way. He says all you got to do is let Nort finish the job. And that doesn't fill Sinestro with confidence. So we blast Guy with a blast from his ring. So now we got three things going on. We got Despero and Batman fighting in outer space, Guy Gardner and Sinestro fighting on Mogo, and Nort trying to drain Mogo's battery. The stakes are pretty high. Batman's fighting Despero. He's losing. He tells him there's no way to defeat him. Says that uh, Guy's a loose cannon and Nort is an idiot. <laughs> is this the point where he's shooting the blasters at his face? Yeah, and he tells him that... Uh, the truth about Sinestro, not only did he defeat the warlords, he killed a bunch of them, and he created a government that has to answer to him. Plant those seeds. I hope I get to see more of this down the road, but probably not. This is making um, some pretty heavy stakes here for this kid cartoon at this point. <laughs> yeah, kids are watching right now. I don't understand. <laughs> he says that he'll make a wonderful soldier, and so will Batman. Then you go back to Guy and Sinestro. They're fighting with a giant. One of them has a giant hammer. The other one has a giant mace. Guy says, you can't do this. I thought you were one of us. He says that he's not one of them. He's always stood above the other rabble. And in the awesome part, Guy Gardner creates a giant baseball bat and slams that ball in mace. Just a home run shot right to the face. Then we go back to Nort. Take two of trying to remember the oath. On Labor Day, on Halloween night, no nose hair shall escape my sight. I love it. I guess on his planet, they celebrate Labor Day and Halloween. You know what? That's, that's nothing wrong with that. At this point, uh, Batman is, uh, he's ripping off Batman's armor. He's starting to shoot him with the, uh, his laser beam. Augmented armor. Basically throwing crystals around. That's good. Batman's overpowering him and he says, uh, how? And Batman says, it's all about will. And, I've got plenty. Whoa. 
Uh, and he blasts the Spurro. Then we go back to Nort one more time. On Arbor Day, on Harvest Moon, no weasel shall escape my spoon? Oh, my That God. can't be right, can it? If only he had a cheat sheet. <laughs> so then uh, they really are getting down and dirty, Guy and Sinestro. They're, they're, they're throwing haymakers. They're punching each other. Guy bites him at one point. Yeah. You didn't think he's going to fight dirty to save his buddy? <laughs> I do like it. This is the second Green Lantern cartoon I've talked about. And both of them, two lanterns broke down into a fist fight. <laughs> yeah. The rings are powerful, don't get me wrong, but they're, they're all just regular dudes, which makes it even cooler. Because in Green Lantern first fight, Sinestro and Hal started throwing A-makers on that one as well. And then uh, Nort says he forgot about his cheat sheet. Yeah! <laughs> the whole time he had the oath written on his arm. He just <laughs> perfectly unsmudged. <laughs> which I gotta say is pretty awesome, because then he does the in brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. But those who worship evil's might, beware my power, Green Lantern's light. He made his uncle proud. He did. And he drains Mogo's power battery. After that, uh, Batman, he heads back to Mogo's surface. At that point, the the fight okay. should have been like finishing up with him outside because then uh, Mogo throws this like giant rock. Yeah, he slams the Spurrow. He throws a giant rock. Then the ring flies off of Batman, opens up a giant green portal, and out come Hal, the lanterns. Even if you saw it, some of the guardians were there. Yeah, they were all just chilling. I was going to make a terrible joke. I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, they're all just chilling. They were. <laughs> Hal says that uh, he sent it to Batman for safekeeping. He had a feeling Batman had the willpower. <sighs> <laughs> And, uh, of course, Guy starts taking all the credit for saving the universe. Which, I mean, I mean, I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. If Guy didn't intervene, we'd have a dead Nort. He did stop him from blowing up Bogo and Nort, so Mm -hmm. in theory, he he did help. Batman looks like he's going to give him some shit again, but instead he says, nice job. Him and Guy shake hands. And then... Nort jumps into Batman's arms once again. And he tells him again, no licking. And right as the screen, I don't know if you've noticed, they fade to black. You actually hear a licking sound. Well, yeah, but you know why he jumped in his arms, right? No. Oh, because uh, him believing him? Yeah, because uh, Batman goes, if anybody's gets credit for what happened today, it's Nort. And that's when Nort gets overcome with happiness because he's being credited for saving the day. The lovable loser becomes the uh, unimaginable hero. He finally earned being a Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Yep, and right when they fade to black end credits, you hear a licking sound. So there you have it, folks. Batman, Brave and the Bold, the eyes of the Sparrow. Scotty, uh, we're going right to the spectrometer. Anybody new to the show, the spectrometer is where we rank we just watched. Zero to four spectros, zero being absolute garbage, four being the best you could get. How are you going to rank the eyes of Despero? The episode itself, I'm going to give three uh, spectros in the spectrometer. But 
I will say the introduction to this, if the like uh, layout stays the way that it is in all the other episodes, I'm going to give this show as a whole a four because I was so impressed with how they packaged comics to me through uh, television. Like I'm once we're done with this podcast, I'm going to, I'm going to pop on episode one and just start going. I, I'm going to the top. I'm going four spectros on this. I love this cartoon. I love brave and the bold. This is such a but are great you ranking the series is I thought we were ranking the episode. That's why I said four for the series. Hopefully I'm going four for the series five. If I could for the series, I'm going to go four for the episode. I love this episode. It's a, I love uh, all the fight scenes. I love, even though it's kind of stupid, I love the bits with Nort. And what we haven't talked about, by the way, is the um, the artwork, typically speaking, for this cartoon. It's unique enough that it was really enjoyable. It was different. It was not uh, not what you'd think, but it was it was different. I really think it's something that any um, Batman fan would enjoy to see this version of Batman on the on the screen. Yeah, I love the art style. It's slightly cartoony, but not too cartoony where you don't take it serious. I think the cartoon is perfect. I I loved it. I really can't find anything I didn't like about it. Except the uh, Cavalier. Uh, <laughs> I love the Cavalier because I love when they do comics and cartoons, when they do little things, that day-in-the-life things that would happen, you know, small little things that aren't all-encompassing of the destruction of the planet or universe. So it fits in perfect context as a, as a, as a bumper from one part of the story to another. Uh, even though I think the Cavalier is about the lamest character, but that was another good thing about this cartoon is uh, if you watch it all, they, they fit plenty of that. I mean, the polka dot man, kite man shows up calendar man, like, polka dot man from the suicide squad movie. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not quite, it's more the comic version of polka dot man than the one in the movie. But I'm, yes, I'm it, trying to get you more listens. They talk about his mother. Uh, <laughs> they they do not to my knowledge that's a strict invention of the movie <laughs> great recommendation tarzan i gotta say it was nothing against the teenage Mutant ninja turtles episode but this is something that is definitely uh if you're a comic fan it's a conversation starter where it's something to check out it, it you literally have opened a door for me to check things out and this is great i i love this cartoon can't say enough good things about it. It was a great choice for the 20th episode. Plus, we always ask if a child in 2021 came across Brave and the Bull, the eyes of Despero. What do you think? They enjoy it? Absolutely. I think it holds up, too. I think uh, maybe not this episode. Um, I think if there was more strong female leads in another episode, I could even get my four-year-old daughter to watch it. I think she would sit down and enjoy it from start to finish. It didn't didn't drag. It just kept bouncing around. A lot of, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I think kids today would still eat this show up. Yeah, my uh, stepson loves it. He watches it with me. Well, loves the strong word. He he enjoys it. <laughs> He's a little older, so I don't know if he counts. But I, I think a kid would enjoy it. I think the animation style would catch their eye, and there's enough fun stuff going on. You don't know how the toy lines did, do you? I know that. And I know I'm taking this completely off the rails, but I feel like this is just prepped and primed all of these introduction characters. I don't know. I know they made some toys. I know there's definitely a Blue Beetle toy and I think a Green Arrow figure from this, but uh, I honestly don't know about the toy sales themselves. I can't say enough good things about this cartoon. They do a great job. And if you watch them all, 
They do a great job of fitting the story to the guest star, but not having Batman. They always make a way that, as ridiculous as it is, you don't question that Batman's a part of it. Yeah, I didn't think once that this was obscure, that Batman was flying through space. Did not cross my mind at all. It felt natural. It was, you know, I don't know. I don't want to just sit here and start drooling over the cartoon, but it was good stuff, Tarzan. Great choice. Well, there you have it, folks. Batman, Brave and the Bull, The Eyes of Despero. Scotty and myself can't recommend it enough. What did you think out there? Did you like it as much as we did? Did you dislike it? Were we too nice? Want to hear your opinion? If you have other episodes of that particular show you think are better, definitely, by all means, let us know. You can find me on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Matt Spectro. You can go to my Facebook page, Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. While you're there, give me a like, give me a follow. Give my podcast a subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Give it a share. Give me a review if you could. I appreciate it. Anything that helps spread the word. If there's any other uh, comic podcasters out there listening who would love to be on my show, I would love to have you. Half the point of doing this show is I love to get different people's opinions on the same subject, so definitely want to hear from you. Scotty, do you have any uh, social media or anything you want to plug? I mean, all my social medias are at Scotty Slade, but I think if there's anything I want to plug, Tarzan, we tried to do it on the Turtles episode, and I'm going to do it again here. And it's not going to fit your normal format, but it's my plead to you because I'm not sure when I'm going to be back on this show. Please, Matt Spectro, let us have what we all are hoping for. The Ray versus Jamie. Who knows Batman best contest? I'm telling you, the stakes will be high. Maybe Jamie can fly us out to Hawaii or L.A. and we can do it in person on a beachfront. In true Bruce Wayne style. (laughs) We are definitely going to book that episode. Well, we're going to do it. It's probably going to be a two-parter because it's going to be part reviewing a Batman cartoon, part doing the Batman contest of who knows all. I mean, plus you're coming back for you and Dave uh, Walker are going to do a follow-up Green Lantern episode. I would love that. (laughs) And mainly not that you need even need to be there, but it's so rare to find somebody that is a uh, puts Green Lantern to their forefront of favorite uh, superheroes. I would just love to pick the brain of uh, somebody that's slightly older than me and clearly has read much more than I have of the character. And luckily, there's a second direct-to-DVD Green Lantern film as well as a Green Lantern cartoon that I believe ran 26 episodes. Wait, the Green Lantern cartoon hasn't come out yet, correct? The one that's going to be airing on HBO? No, they have the one coming on HBO, but there was a cartoon, I thought, on Cartoon Network that ran for like two seasons. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I have not, I'll be honest, I have not, I have not checked that out. I, ha, I am excited about the HBO release, though. I do have high hopes for that. Is that live action or is that a cartoon? I believe it is uh, cartoon-based. I just don't know to the extent of like what it will look like. The fact that it's on HBO leads me to believe that it could be a little edgy, which is awesome to think about in that universe. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. 20 episodes we made it i really appreciate you tuning in i want to hear from you any kind of comments please let me know but until then i'm matt spectro i'm here with scotty slade thank you for joining us and join us again next week for another exciting episode matt spectro through the multiverse See you.